Um, so I'm just very excited about today. Um, I'm always excited when the Arizagas are in the house, and uh, they have have come with some um, wonderful friends, uh, the Kassenbergers here. So we have Frank and Kathy Kassenberger. I'm just so glad they're here, who um, have have a home group at their home, and they're they're meeting and gathering and, and ministering to people on a regular basis. One, one time, I think one day, it was 21 phone calls she had of ministry opportunities that they had in their home. So in that, God is doing great things. And um, I'm excited that Joanne and Jamie are here because, you know, they're friends of this house. And they are um, really our family here. And I, I'm always encouraged when they come because um, I, I, Joanne has the word of the Lord and is extremely funny, which I, I always laugh all the time whenever she's around. So, but, and, and I, and I, and I love the courage and the, the strength of, of Jamie. Um, Jamie faithfully served uh, the president of Afghanistan for how many years? Seven years. He protected the president of Afghanistan with quite a few men that he gave commands to, to watch over him and protect him. And as you all know, his, his duties have come to an end. And, uh, and you know, it's been a, a challenging transition, but I really just want to give honor to where honors due. And I really want us to give honor to uh, Jamie Arzaga. And I want you to come on up here, Jamie. Come on, you're going to start first. So, yep. So I really want you guys, because... You know, in many, in many ways, people don't realize. He said, you know, I said, what's a day like, you know, going to work for you? He says, well, Sam, you know, when I get off the airplane, you know, we have to fight our way back to the compound. And I said, what do you mean fight your way back to the compound? Well, you know, you got the IU, IEDs, IEDs, you know, whatever. And, you know, you have all this going on. So, you know, he had to put on his big boy pants and go fight back to the compound just because, you know, there was a lot going on in Afghanistan during his uh, tenure, time there serving the president. So I, I have much respect for this man. And, um, and he's got something he wants to share just about the good things that God is doing in your area. And I wanted him just to take a moment and share what God is doing in his life now because there's a transition from Afghanistan now. So take it away. Amen. Good morning, Generation Church. How are you? I can't hear you. What'd you say? I said I thought, amen, hallelujah. Uh, yep, uh, Pastor Sam uh, and Eliza, thank you for having us. We appreciate your hospitality. We've had a great weekend. Uh, I hate to say I'm not looking forward to it ending, but, you know, we got our mission on the east coast of North Carolina, so uh, we have to continue doing that. But on a highlight, uh, first of all, let me start off. Uh, my mission still continues. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I run a program in, for the State Department called SPEAR, and in a nutshell, what that program is designed to do is to build up uh, quick response forces uh, to help prevent the next Benghazi in our various uh, embassies around the world. Uh, I'm responsible for uh, several countries in the African continent, and some of my colleagues have some in, uh, in Iraq and other continents. So that mission still continues. Uh, it's just a, a different light. You know, I don't have to jock up uh, as often like I did when I was uh, the program manager in Afghanistan. 
Uh, so uh, I'm grateful that part is over. Uh, but please, please, please continue to keep those folks that supported the Americans and special forces and us uh, in prayer because there's still a lot of them that are still stuck behind the lines. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's been a real slow process to get them out, as you can imagine. Uh, so uh, let me share what's happening on the East Coast of North Carolina. As Pastor Sam says, you know, we're uh, part of this family, and, as, and the family is growing on the East Coast. Uh, Joanne and I, uh, we run a home group. We call it the camp. The reason we call it the camp is uh, last year the Lord gave me a specific uh, uh, um, vision uh, and said to start a camp. And he gave me a specific date, 10, 10, 20, right? So that was pretty specific. And the Lord's so funny, you know, while the world is shutting down because of COVID and everybody's hunkering down and covering up and, you know, setting up walls and all that, the Lord said, "Uh, Jamie, uh, I need you to start uh, this home group. You're going to call it the camp, and this is what you're going to do. And uh, so we did it in faith. Uh, The group has been growing. We have a lot of of strong uh, folks in the group. Uh, Some days, uh, to be honest, sometimes we have awesome meetings with just four people who show up, but we've had awesome meetings with over 20 people. So the Lord, the Lord knows who needs to come, uh, you know, week to week. So that's amazing. So fast forward a year. So we, we celebrated our year uh, last week. It's been a year. So, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys. I, I don't get visions and dreams often. So when I do get them, it's like EF hunting. You know, you stop and listen. You know, so when I have a dream and I share it with Joanne, we stop and listen. So he gave me a- another dream, and, uh, and in, in a nutshell, as you already know from my, what my background is, I was like an old, uh, a- an old lion who, you know, who's, if you guys know a, a lion in a pack, they're, they're solitary. They're, they're, you know, they're kind of like reserve, uh, 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 like, a, how do you call it, they protect the pride and all that. Well, in, in, to make a long story short in that vision, I saw that, but then he showed me a husky puppy, right? And a husky puppy is just the opposite of a lion. You know, they're, they're lovable. Uh, they're not protective. They want to be, as a matter of fact, if you, read, if you read about them, they're terrible for guard dogs because they want to be everybody's friends. So we, we saw that, and, and Joanne, she's a great dream interpreter, helped me to uh, interpret what that means, and it's, it's me going away from being uh, uh, a lone wolf, I mean, a, a lone uh, lion, to being in the pack, because that's, you know, the, the husky is a pack animal, right? I mean, all animals are pack animals, but the husky is a pack animal, they work in teams, you know, they're great at towing sleds and that kind of thing, right? So, he's taking me away from that you know, being on guard and being alone to being part of the pack and all that. So what we're going, what's happening now at the camp in the East Coast and, and, our, and our home group is in South Mills, North Carolina, is we're, we're growing, we're expanding. We're, gonna, uh, we're, we're taking all the steps that we need to, to be an official church 
uh, you know, we're putting all the plans together and, you know, doing all the things that need to be done. Uh, and our home group is expanding. We, we asked, it, we asked uh, this couple that's in our group, they have converted a garage uh, into a, co a colonial Williamsburg tea room. So we're asking them if, you know, if they're gonna, if they'd be willing to uh, uh, hold uh, one of the meetings there. Because if, it, well, the, yeah, it's the first plant, right. And uh, so, then that means that we can have a meeting every week, opposed to what we are doing now every two weeks. And uh, so we're excited about that. I wanted to share that with you all so you guys can, when you're having your prayer times, please keep the camp in prayer uh, that we'll continue to do what the Lord wants and that those that need to hear the word of the Lord come to the camp and that we're focused on what he needs to do. Amen. And well, thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to uh, warmly welcome Joanne on up here. She's going to share today the word of the Lord for us. I'm excited. And, uh, and just so you know, above your tithe, I'd like for you to seek the Lord today as to how you can give an offering unto the Lord. And we would like as a church to sow into them and bless them. Uh, for the many things that they're doing, but also for the work that they're that God is establishing the church uh, on the East Coast. So um, so you can make a check out to Generation Church and you can just put it for um, the Arizagas. How you spell that is A-R-I-C-A-G-A-S. So uh, so in that, huh? At or yeah, well, let's just say uh, the Arizagas. So. In that, uh, you can also give online. You can make a note and direct it towards them, and we'll make sure that all the money that's uh, brought in goes to them because I want to bless them because they have been a blessing to this house. So would you all warmly welcome Joanne as she comes on up here to share? Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Well, it's good to be back and see y'all. I see friendly faces that I know and new faces. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, it has been an exciting time, hasn't it? Um, so today I'm kind of coming to bring you a... Um, this seems smaller to me up here. Did there used to be more things? Like, I feel like, uh, where's the rest of the area for the things uh, maybe y'all just give me more when I come to teach a conference I don't know but I feel like you shrunk my space is that a is that a a, 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 a passive aggressive way of saying manage your time <laughs> I don't know I'm just saying you know or polite you know don't give her a lot of space you know she'll spread out so anyway um, we have had an amazing weekend. Uh, we're very honored to be here with co-laborers in our ministry, um, uh, the Katzenbergers, uh, Kathy and Frank. Please get a chance to meet them. Uh, we are, uh, Jamie and I have, uh, when we went to Dubai, we had to resign our ordination, and um, we had to enter the country uh, posing no threat to the uh, Muslim government, and um, when we came back, 
uh, you know, we've pioneered a church at this point and been in ministry for 30 years, and we came back, and we were like, so we're done, right, Lord? Like, we're done. And Pastor Sam was like, you're not done. What, what, is the, what are these words? What are you speaking? And, uh, and, and he and Eliza were like, I think we need to ordain you again. And we we're like, well, you know, we'll, we'll pray on that. And he goes, no, like right now, like today. I'm calling the elders to come over, you know. And we were like, oh, man, you know, well, okay, we're not done. And then the prophet started speaking. And, you know, when you pioneer a church from five people, and build it into hundreds um, into the area. Not that I'm about numbers, because I'm not. Uh, but when you pioneer that kind of a work, you know, it's a lot of work. And you hold every job in the church that's possible. You, you have children's church. You have, you know, uh, you have bathroom duty. You have, you know, young adults. You have teen groups. You have everything that can be done because, you know, you've got to cover all the bases while you're growing the church. And so then, you know, after Pastor Sam and Eliza had ordained, then we, we, um, we come up to the prophets and, and, and they said, um, you haven't even done yet what God sent you to North Carolina to do. I'm like, y'all, please. Okay, how many of you have been in church a long time? Okay, see, it's work, right? It's work. It's good work, but it's work. And then you get a word like that. It's not even a nice word. It's like the word that Jesus brings to Peter, you know. So, Peter, I have a word for you. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. You know what? I'd be like, you say, you know what? Give me some garlic. I'm done with this. No, that, that's not what I want to hear. That doesn't tickle my ear. And, and, you know, but he comes and he says, but, but. That's how you always know God's talking when the bad news comes. Because the good news comes right behind it. And he says, but I've prayed for you. And when you're through it. You're going to strengthen your brothers. See, no, 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 see, again, no, people, no. We are from a generation that has, you know, re, we have welcomed speaking in tongues and the move of the Holy Spirit. We ain't going through nothing. People, we binding, we loosen, we're closing doors. No man can open. We're opening doors. No man can shut. We ain't going through nothing. Right? When you get through, yay, i got such good news for you. No. What? <laughs> and the prophet's like, you know, this is, you haven't even done yet in North Carolina. We were house hunting in Maryland. We're done, in, we're done with North Carolina. You're being good. We love you. Have a nice day. We're moving on. And the Lord's like, no, I'm sorry, but I've prayed for you. <laughs> and when you're done, you're going to come back and do what I actually sent you here to do. Good gracious. You know, those that you, when you realize that the Lord is, if I have a life verse, there's so many verses that I just, you know, mean so much to me after 30 years of ministry. But I'll tell you, Philippians 1 6. It just is to me as a sustaining truth. He that began the work will perform it 
until the day. And, you know, that's good news because when I was ordained, I, I appreciate, don't you appreciate Matthew's honesty today? See, I appreciate that. That's not a discouraging testimony because when they said, we're going to ordain you the first time after we got out of Bible school, I was like, uh, no, thank you. Um, first of all, I like about three pastors out of all of them that I know, so I don't want to be one. And secondly, y'all know I'm a, I'm, I'm a lot of work. I'm, I'm, I'm extra, okay? Okay? Let's just be and And I don't know that Jesus is up for this job. And, and I said to the apostle, and I thought, wait till they tell, you know, the apostle they want to ordain, you know. And... And the apostle said this to me. I said, I don't, I don't think we're really ordaining material, you know. I feel like we're that support group, you know, in the shadows, you know, holding up pillars, that kind of thing. And, and this is what the apostle said to me. He said, Joanne, he said, I have four graduate degrees, divinity, theology, ministry. I've traveled the world. I oversee 25 ministries and all these nations says but some days you know what you know what I know that there is a God and it's not me and that's all I know I don't know anything else that day other than that there is a God and it's not me and 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 so you appreciate Matthew's honesty because you know when the people come in like the master race right of Christianity how are you? I'm blessed, sanctified, saved. God is good. God is great. You know, the, God is good. Amen. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you have a headache? No, I don't. I've never had a headache in Jesus' name. We are the master race of Christianity. We have no sickness. We have no disease. We have no down days. We have no sad days. We are powerful people. But, you know, but that doesn't help anybody. Who, who's trying to get from one place to the next place on this journey. And so rather than just trying to fake it till you make it, it's better to just say, hey, there's some days that I'm like, well, God, it doesn't look like you're going to show up. So I reckon I'll still trust you, but I'm going to have to handle this. I'm going to have to handle your business, you know, which is hysterical because can I share the story about um, maybe I need to ask him about the question Jeremy asked when he was how was he how old was he four <laughs> can I say that is that was that was that a cleared story no who's in well yeah okay how old was he he's two he's the baby and Eliza tells us, Pastor Eliza tells us, that he, she's putting him to bed one night. You know, he's got all these siblings, wonderful, you know, Samuel, Amy, uh, Elise, and then, you know, two-year-old Jeremy. And she says to, he says to her, going to bed, am I in charge, you know, of the family? And, and, uh, and he says, and she says, um, uh, no. <laughs> Uh, no, that we're, that's a hard pass. We're going to have to, you know, pass on that one. Um, be, uh, and she tells him the whole thing, you know, Daddy is the head of the family, and, you know, and Jesus is the head of Daddy and the boss and the whole thing. And she gives him the rundown to his disappointment, you know, because he was really looking for that leadership seat. 
And um, as aren't we all when we're two years old in the spirit, right? I mean, I'm saying that because this is how you are when you are young. You can always tell spiritual adolescents because they hope the parents won't be home so they can really show the church how to be. You know, and that's how you know you're in your spiritual adolescence. Oh, I can't wait until the pastors are gone on a trip so we can really show them. Okay, yes, and let us know how adolescence works out for you. Because the older you get, the less you are trying to get to that seat. And, um, and then Jeremy, having absorbed the entire analogy at two years old, uh, still felt that he needed to bring some adjustment. And so Pastor Sam came home that night, and he said he got up and went to meet him, and he said, well, you may be the boss here, but Jesus is your boss. You know, just a little check, like, <laughs> I'm watching you, okay? Don't act like you own this place, because you got a boss too. You can go down like the rest of us, you know? But the reality is that, that that's what it's like a lot of time. It is, you know. And so the, the more mature you are in, in your walk with the Lord and in your journey, the less you desire uh, those situations. I'm involved in a situation right now where I'm walking something out with a, a doctor in our community. And it's, it's created a stir, you know, um, and uh, I told the pastors, I said, you may get a call about me because, you know, there's people that don't want me to do what Jesus has clearly told me to do. Just in case, accountability, right? You might get a call. I said, however, feel free to fire me. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. Like if you say, you know, I think you've served enough and you're done feel free to fire me because the older you get the less you want to be in charge but i feel like that this this moment that we're in of transition is the lord is and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this right at the end but we are in a glorious transition in the church of the lord jesus christ and he picked every one of you to live at this exact time I mean, is that not exciting? They're looking at the calendar, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, enjoying each other's presence. And they're like, oh, is that COVID? Oh, we need Matthew. We need Jeremy. Oh, yeah, let's all get them in there. Oh, that's going to be so good. Let's get all these people because we're going to do something so wonderful in the church. And, you know, it's okay to not know what he's doing. But, you know, he tells his secrets. The Bible says that he, he reveals to the prophets what he's doing. He reveals his heart when you walk with him. So when we don't know what he's doing, we trust in his nature but we're still pressing in to get the picture on the puzzle box so we know what he's doing because there are people who are depending on us that don't know what's coming what's going so if uh you want to go ahead and bring up um mariah the thing this is the beginning of the church's finest hour now, who would have decided, who would have picked COVID 
to be the entryway? Who would have picked getting T-boned in a car to be the entryway to releasing the next level of blessing where God wants to teach Matthew how provision works in the kingdom and how to have faith for what God will do, not only for what God can do. Because that's where people with a lot of faith, I don't care how much faith you have, if you have faith in what God can do instead of what he will do, your faith is the same as the watchman who was not called to stand the watch. And it says he stands the watch in vain. You see, we can be sincerely wrong, and we don't want to be sincerely wrong because you're still wrong. It doesn't matter how much you believe it and how strong it is in your heart. He's only going to do what he will do, not what he can do. And there's a big difference in there. And so as we're growing up, and, and the Lord's been speaking to me, we're coming back to North Carolina, this church has been in a big transition. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard to hear you haven't done the work yet you were sent to do. It's hard when you've been pastoring, you've labored, and you've done all this work, king of glory, and the Lord says, okay, now we're going to get into phase two. The Lord never changes, but his strategies Change and adjust to his goals for the hour, to the community, to that. Truth never changes, but strategies change. And when he changes things, it's weird. My husband had this, you know, he's always been solitary. And, I mean, you know, he's trained assassins his whole life. You know, crisis response teams are really just code for assassins who go in and rescue people. And so then he served on those teams all those years, and then he started training them. And when you're an assassin, you know, I mean, not to make light of it, but you're a solitary person. You're walking out a burden that, you, that not the average person can appreciate or understand. And then the Lord comes to him and says, and, and this lion in his vision was old. He was all gray, and he looked very menacing, but he closed the door on the lion, and he brought him into the room with the Siberian husky puppy, you know, and my husband, this is a big transition for him, right? This is a change. He knows how to be a lion. See, y'all figured out how to be king of glory. You were good at king of glory. It's the same church, don't get me wrong. It's not a different church, but you understand that assignment. That assignment was completed. You were good at King of Glory, now you're Generation Church. What does that assignment look like? See, he knows how to be an old lion, but now the Lord says, you're going to be a Siberian husky puppy. I mean, it's the Lord not specific that he picks a dog that it says, not good for protection. <laughs> what? what you know wants to be friends with everyone my husband has never wanted to be friends with anyone you know and I used to say to him it's the truth it's just the truth I used to say to him when he was active duty and with the teams and everything why don't you go out and you know have a a, a drink with the, the guys you know a soda pop or whatever you know people are going to drink I don't want to offend anybody and uh you know, just or go out and do something. And he would look at me and say, I see them all week at work. Why would I want to see them? I want to see you, you know. And I said, no, you need to have friends. He said, no, you're my friend. I'm good. We're married. You're my friend. I don't need these other friends. And, and then the Lord takes this man at 60-something years old 
and says, hey, old lion, solitary old lion, I'm going to nurture what's already in you. See, it's in puppy stage. This is new for you. But we're going to grow this up, and you're going to become a pack dog, and you're going to lead and finish the work in North Carolina. And so, okay. And so my husband goes the next day, goes on a fishing trip with the veterans. He doesn't want to go. He has to get up at 345. He's annoyed that because he has things to do, people. There's, there's grass to cut, there are jobs to be done, there's chores, and he's not have time to be out of the boat with a bunch of veterans fishing. He wants to get his, this list in his mind done. And so he's, and then he keeps seeing it's going to rain. He keeps checking his phone. Why haven't they canceled? It's going to rain. It's gonna, I don't want to be out in that boat find out rain, and they cancel it when I get there after I got up at 3.45 in the morning. See this old grumpy line? He's used to being the boss of everything. He has overseen a $40 million contract in Afghanistan. So he's just bossy and grumpy and solitary. And so he, so he gets up and he goes, and a man who, different people who had boats, all drove from all over and, and for free took out uh, veterans fishing. And he's, next thing I know, he texts me. And he says, hey, this guy is so great. If he lived closer, I think we'd be friends. I'm looking at my phone. Because when this man goes to work, he doesn't text me or call me. Or, and I better not call him either unless the house is on fire. I'm supposed to do my job, keep my head down, don't complain. Don't bother him while he's being a solitary lion. He doesn't, you know, that's the way he's always done things. So the phone, all of a sudden the phone dings again, ding, ding, ding. It's a picture of him holding a fish. I'm like, okay. He goes, this guy is so great. Boy, I'm really, I'm having a good time. And it's not raining, you know. And anyway, day goes by, 20-something texts later, all ding, 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 all day long. I, I called the Katzenbergers. I said, y'all need to send out a search party because Jamie has been held hostage, and I think these are safe words being sent. <laughs> I do not believe this is real communication. See, when you grow up in a house like ours, you have safe words. Our, our children all know the, dog, the first dog name we have. If, they, if anybody's in trouble, they're to text Chino. That means daddy's coming. Daddy's coming with the AR. Daddy's coming with me, me, weapons of mass destruction. He's coming. He's going to kill. He's going to maim. He's going to do what he says. Put your name on the list and cross it off. That's the only reason to put your name on the list is to cross it off, which means no one ever sees you again. And so... You know, so I said, I told Katzenbergers, I'm pretty sure these are, I think he's being held hostage, and these are all safe words to tell me something's wrong. But literally that quick, y'all, that quick, a solitary lion, 60-something, the Lord has awakened and nurtured something that he just stood up here and talked to y'all for 10 minutes. What? I mean, he doesn't do that. He says three things, and then he sits back down, looking to see which one of you looks sketchy, you know? And, 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 and you don't even see where all the weapons are that he's wearing because he's prepared. He's prepared at any moment for the Taliban to raid this church, and he will handle them all because that's how he's trained. And yet, in the church's finest hour, the Lord came and said, up, 
script change, script change. And it's not just him, and it's not just you guys, and it's not just me. It's happening everywhere. Script change, script change. So the Lord told me this is the church's finest hour. And, and when, uh, let's go to the next slide, Maria. So I'm in, I'm in Africa, and the Lord speaks this to me. It's, it's the Jewish New Year. It's right before COVID shutdown. I'm in South Africa. And the Lord says this to me, but thanks be to God who always leads us in the triumphal procession in Christ. That's like a parade, a triumphal procession in Christ who makes known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of him in every place. Now, you know what's interesting? When the Lord gave me this word, I didn't know yet that COVID was in operation. Oh, see, now I need the other microphone because i got to touch my computer. Sorry, y'all. Um, let me get my stuff in here. And so he, um, and I'm like, oh, and they said, this is the new year word for the church. I'm like, all right, go ahead, the next slide. Because what are we all waiting for? The knowledge of him everywhere. Harvest, right? Isn't that what we're all here for? I mean, as much as we enjoy you and each other, the real goal here is to bring in the harvest so that the lamb receives the reward for which he was slain. See, that's the job. You know, if you don't want that job, then you don't want to sign up for this because that's the job, that the lamb would receive the reward for which he was slain, which is the harvest of the nations. Boy, I'm excited. I come home. I'm like, oh, boy, it's going to, this is up. Thanks be to God who leads us in our triumphal procession. Woo! Fragrance and knowledge of him everywhere. All the prophets are saying the harvest is coming. How many of you remember the football game? They, Bob Jones' prophecy, we all knew that, didn't we? That when the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, we would know that the harvest was not. Woo! Even if you didn't like football, you were excited about that game. You're like, yes, Lord, the Kansas City Chiefs. Bob Jones prophesying from the grave. Come on. I mean, we were all excited. Excited. And then COVID shut the church down. Now, not the real church, you know what I'm saying, but the meetings, right? And I mean, and what if you were in, as Jamie calls it, California? I mean, you couldn't do anything over there, you know? I mean, and I'm like, okay, so this is the church's finest hour. There's fragrance everywhere. Uh, and everybody's at home. And then, you know, people are trying to say, you know, fear is taking over and all kinds of stuff's being said. And we're just, you know, like everybody is stunned, right? Because what's happening? The shift, the, the script, it's a shift and a script change that we were like, what? No, no, that's not the plan. And so we're ready for the harvest. And then the Lord begins to speak to the people who are willing to listen, and he says this. Next slide, Mariah. <laughs> this is you guys, and you're ready for the harvest, but you're still childish and immature because you make numbers more important than authentic Christian community, 
and you have become so obsessed with a cake and ice cream diet of revelation and revelatory experiences that you're not worried anymore about growing up the babies in the Lord. And he said, you want the harvest. But have you ever seen a little child say that? I can't wait until I get married and have. My grandson used to say that. I can't wait until the Lord gives me a wife. I'm like, yeah, hold on to that thought, brother. Hold on. <laughs> you know, hold on to that thought, <laughs> you know. Um, because, and, and you know, when children say that, I'm not mocking the church. I'm just saying what we want, what we're expecting, and what we will receive, we are not ready for. I, I, you know, I wish we were. I wish it was better than that. But we're not. And you know what? That's okay. Because Philippians 1, 6 says that he that began the work is going to perform it. But you know how when you get ahead of yourself, get, get a little big for your britches, and, you know, you're going to manage things that you're not ready to manage yet, you know, or you try to be the boss of something, and you don't, you don't have an idea what you're doing. You know, how many of you are parents? How many of you read books about parenting before you were a parent? And now how many of you realize what you didn't know about parenting? And, you know, and if that's, not, again, like I say, children and adolescents, Jeremy's too, he wants to be in charge. See, this is the thing. I will have, I will have, you know, my children come to me. One time my daughter came home, and uh, I felt like her blouse was a little low cut, one of my daughters. And, you know, for our family standard, it was, it was, it was revealing. And I said, you know, uh, can I just ask what's going on here? Just what is that? And she said, you know, you don't need to tell me. I'm, I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to know who I am. And just because I'm maybe not going to do everything the way you did it, and, you know, I'm an adult now. You know, I'm writing all the checks for college. I'm, you know, all, I write them. It's his money. I'm, you know. <laughs> And paying the apartment and everything, you know, you're an adult now, that's right, you're all grown, yes you are. And, and um, I said, well, I just don't think that this is really respectful to your daddy, or to you, personally. So when you're here, you know, okay, you're going to find yourself, find, go find yourself, but I'm going to, I think I'm going to need a little adjustment here in the house. And she, I'm in the kitchen, she went out the door and slam that door like nobody's business. I mean, the house shook. I got 5,000 square feet, people, and the house shook. I was like, good Lord, Jesus, what is good? People go to college, lost their mind. I go out to the car. She's getting in her car to go back off to college in, in a huff. And I'm standing at the door of the car like that. And I said, young lady, get out of the car. And she's standing there, and I put my hand out like this. I said, hello. You may have forgotten who you are, but clearly you've forgotten who I am. Let me reintroduce myself. Joanne Arizaga, your mother, who pays the bills. And unless you're going to pay some mortgage payments, you don't get to slam doors in this house. See, children, adolescents, you know, I mean, it was age, actually ahead of Jeremy's time, which I'm sure he always is. Um, you know, two years old, not everybody wants to be in charge, but, you know, definitely ahead of his time. Um, 
you know, I'm sure you've had this, where what they know about life would fit in a thimble, but they're going to come tell you about things, right? And you're standing there thinking, little girl, <laughs> okay, what you know about parenting, what you know about life, right here. But you get to find your own way. That's the thing. But see, while you can't remember who you are, you need to remember who I am. And see, that's how this is with God. We, we might not be, you know, we might not be clear on our identity and what's going on in the transition, the script changing, but we don't have the liberty of forgetting who he is because he doesn't change. And, and he has an expectation that that work, he's going to continue. And the only thing you get to do is cooperate with it or not. You can kick against the pricks. Let me know how that works out for you. Uh, you see what I'm saying? We just want to cooperate. So we, the church became painfully aware, some, some of us, not all of us, that, uh, that he is uh, doing something that is preparing us for the job we want. There are people who want to get married. There are people who want to. My 19-year-old my grandson wants to get married. Good gracious. He can't even get his socks out of the dryer you know, I'm thinking, dude, you are not ready for this, okay? You will be. I love you. You got a good heart, but you're pretty much not even doing great with the socks. So I'm thinking a little bit more time. And that's really where we are. And it's not an indictment. It's just an observation to say, oh, okay, we want this, but we're not ready for it. So how do we get ready? See, this is, this is the thing. It's not a shame thing like, wow, we really blew it. Look at us. We got here and we're not ready. No, it's, it's different. So go to the next slide. This is what the Lord showed me last night. Here we are. Here's the church. Been through. <laughs> I laughed out loud when he showed me this picture. I saw it as he was talking with me about this word. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you see, this is the thing. When... Um, We've been through, you know, depending on your eschatology, I'm not going to mess with that today. But the idea being that, uh, you know, we have, we have gone through the churches that the seven letters were written to existed in Asia when John wrote the book of Revelation. Those were real churches. And then there are people who believe that everything in Revelation is a timeline still to come and they're waiting for, you know, the scary, all the scary, woohoo, scary. And, and, um, and, but the reality is we have just, and the prophets are saying this, the ones that really know stuff, they're saying we have transitioned from the church age to the kingdom age, right? So we went through all the stages of the church age, which all seven letters of Revelation cover, and we got from each experience and season things we needed oh you can you can stand against the Nicolaitans the Gnosticism and oh you can contend against Jezebel and oh you can you know stand and do this and oh you can stand in suffering and and then he has some other things to say like I have something against you right now who wants to hear that we're back to the beginning of this who wants to hear that see the way he showed this to me last night is in this last season, 
there was a little bit of neglect. We came over prepared. <laughs> we need we need a shearing. We need some things we got heavy in. One of the things that the Lord dealt with us in Dubai about, because, you know, we're in a Muslim country and we can't be religiously active and pick up our old behaviors, is that, that literally the church, our church, I am the pot calling the kettle black, so I want you to hear this. This is not pointing a finger at anyone. We, we were living on a cake and ice cream diet of revelatory experiences. And, you know, revelatory experiences are wonderful. I have three, four dreams or visions a night. I, I love that. But, but when did they get more important than relationships? Right? See, relationships are number one on the list of priorities to Jesus, which I'm going to show you real quick here in the Word. See, there's all these wonderful things. You guys get married, you get to enjoy intimacy, and that's wonderful. But you got to get out the bed sometime. You can't get married and just spend all your time in the bed. Now, there's people who would like to, but that's the cake and ice cream. It's, it's good. That's lovely. Please have healthy, all of that, without going into any detail. You know what I'm saying? But... But at the same time, folks, people got to get up and go to work and earn a paycheck, put food on the table, diapers. We've got to care for the babies. We've got work to do. You got to get out of the bed. But you got people want to go have a harp and bowl and lay at the altar for six hours and be in the presence of the Lord. And, 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 and that's wonderful when it's in balance. But our priorities got out of whack. And, and one of the things that I feel like the Lord is going to address in this season in its finest hour that you're going to see is church priorities are going to begin to shift back to where they belong. We have got to get, you can't make remodeling your backyard, you can't make that. Does somebody know how to make this not have to have a sign in so fast? <laughs> anyway, I don't, I don't know. Okay. The Lord is coming, and he is addressing the fact that we are out of balance, that we've got priorities. We picked up everything we needed, but just like to the letters in Revelation, he says in the first one, Ephesus, but I got this one thing against you. You've neglected your first love. You got all these things right. That's good. But I have this against you. You've neglected your first love. Then you skip over a couple letters, and he says, I've got three or four things against you. I mean, you know, from each time that the Lord was adding to the church in the church age to prepare us to be the ecclesia or the ecclesia or whatever word way you say it, we received what we were supposed to receive but we need some adjustments. See, when sheep get like this and they're all mangy and overgrown, there's been excess. There's been neglect. There's been too much of this and not enough of that. Do you know also they do this thing for sheep where they get bloat and, they, and the shepherd has to turn them over and hammer nails in their belly to get the bloat out or they'll die. I mean, this is standard shepherd procedure. Got to get the bloat. People who want to study, 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 gorge on teaching while not walking in 5% of it. 
and they, and they get into a state of bloat because they're always going to the next thing, looking for the next buffet. And, and we're out of balance. And the Lord has lovingly come to say, okay, I've added all these wonderful things to the church. But now we're going to hammer a few nails and get out the things. And we're going to get this shift because you're going to keep all that you have. But there's going to be some grooming. And that's where we are. We're in grooming. Isn't it funny that pruning, I'm going to go home and prune this week. That's one of the things I'm going to do when I get home. And, and uh, we have five acres, so, you know, it's no joke to prune it because a lot of it's ma- landscape. But does it, isn't it so confusing, Matthew, when you're a beautiful hydrangea bush? And, I mean, you are glorious and big, and God comes in and just chops. Doesn't it feel like punishment? Here I am in my new job, doing my new thing. Yes. And I'm driving in my car, and everything's good. T-bone, bam. Now, I'm not saying God caused a T-bone. What I'm saying is that God is ultimately in charge of what he's developing in this young man's life and his walk and growing him. And so, you know, we have to start having this concept that we're in. The church is in a grooming phase. The church... Saints, I cannot tell you how many friendships I've lost in the last season, hopefully not permanently, because they have given me 25 possible dates that Donald Trump was going to be president again. And, and I have nothing against this. It's not a political statement. It's just that we're on different pages with, you know, and I, I had friends, major apostolic people, call me and say, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, what they believe about these things. And... Um, I said, well, you know, that's, I said, God hasn't shown me that. You know, I'm not attacking them. I'm just being honest. God, I haven't been shown that. You know, I mean, not that I would hate it, but, you know, it's not what I've been shown. And they were like, well, I've got news for you. One of us is going to be repenting by March, and it ain't going to be us. I'm like, what? What? I was like, well, okay. Um, well, I'm all for repentance, you know, like, hey, you know, like, if I got to repent, I'm going to repent. But, but you see what I'm saying? When the church holds revelatory knowledge, I don't care if you're right or wrong. If you know what's coming next in the secret, but you're a butthole <laughs> or a butthead, who cares? Right? Because we got a job to do. Our job is not to know everything about everything, it's that the lamb receives the reward for which he was slain. And we do our part in that. We cooperate. That's the job. You can't change the job description just because the, the priorities got out of balance. And so we're going to see what we're seeing in this season is that the Lord is coming to deal with bloat. He's coming to deal with neglect. He's coming to deal with all of this so that we look like, go ahead, Mariah, check out this fine specimen. (laughs) That sheep won all kind of awards because he was special. I mean, he is trimmed down, y'all. He's sleek. See, 
this is the thing that's so hard for us. How many of you love a good shouting meeting? I love a good shouting meeting. How many of you love a great worship service? You know, how many of you love to go to a church where, you know, they're doing all the technical things and it just feels so exciting to be a part of that? And, and, and I love those things too, but, but this is the problem. We're being, we're being called to be more sleek because if that was going to win the harvest, it would have already. What? Don't say that, Pastor Joanne. Don't say, I'm not saying you can't be cool and have all the things, okay? But what I'm telling you is if what we knew from the church age and all that's been added to us and our programs and our technology and all those things are going to win the loss. It would have already. And it didn't. It just created a lot of big programs. And we lost authentic Christian community. We lost the ability not to be unhealthy and codependent. But I'm talking about what Jesus did with his disciples. That is the work. That's the job. You know what that means? That means being cozy with people. I'm, you know, I had to learn to do that. Iron sharpens iron. I don't want to be sharpened. I want to go and have a harp and bowl. And then I might even have another idea. Let's take a vow of silence and open a seminary because then we'll look really spiritual. And we'll just ignore each other. So you can't annoy me. And I can't annoy you. Although highly unlikely, right, Matthew? Folks, this is all about relationships. All of this is about relationships. And the Lord wants to sleek us up just like this fine-looking specimen right here. And, uh, and just so you know, he did win all these awards, so we can do things like this. Go ahead to the next one, Mariah. Woo, y'all! <laughs> I can run through a troop and leap over. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I can run through a troop. How many are old enough to remember that song? And leap over a wall, hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean, this is what he's looking for. But we all heavy with programs and knowledge and revelatory experiences, and we got all that weight on us that we don't have any energy left for the main thing. My grand youngin came to eat supper at my house. I said, I'm making fettuccine Alfredo. All three of my grandboys, all adults, came. One of them has a little plate who normally eats a lot. He said, I said, that's all you want? And he said, well, Grandma, I, I ate at Chick-fil-A on the way. I said, I don't even know you. <laughs> who, who are you? you? What? I said, you came to my table full? What? Eliza always gets me, you know. It's always the subtle. I always appreciate it. I'll write a blog, and it'll be so politically correct, and then I'll just slip in that, the missile. And she'll say, oh, my gosh, when you said this. I'm like, she always gets me. We're so full of ourselves and our programs and our, you know, when I, when I realized how far off I was off, I was like the river was over there. 
and I was over here. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't know how I got off. I really didn't because I didn't want to be off. I didn't mean to be off. But I got caught up. I got caught up in, in, in the programs. And I, got, and, I mean, I still love the Lord, still love his people, but I got caught up. And, and then I, I lost the mission. I lost the focus. And you can't lose, you can't lose that. You know what's interesting is um, I read a study this week that said um, they were interviewing people in, in Russia because the friendships and the relationships in Russia were proven to be longer lasting and deeper than friendships in the United States. And they started interviewing people. And they said, why do you think this phenomenon, we, here we are in freedom and all we've got all this freedom, why are our relationships not better? And, and they said, well, it's simple. They said, we don't trust our government. So we put all our trust in community and in God. Isn't that funny how God does things? See, everybody thinks that they know the way things are going to go and who's going to be on the throne and what's a throne and all of this. And God's look like, people, trust me, I am so good at this. I have got this. I know how to win the harvest. I know how to turn people's hearts back toward the church. I know how to do that because we're in an age, I, I don't even, I told my husband not too long ago that whole situation in Afghanistan, like I said, not be political, but just, I said, I don't even recognize our country as the country I grew up in. I mean, there's been a lot of things that have not been good over the years. I mean, I was born in the 60s. I've seen things, you know, but we left Americans. We left Americans. I mean, there's a lot of things we've done that have been bad. We've made partnerships with people and let them die after we pulled out because it didn't serve us anymore. But we didn't ever leave Americans. And we left them. And, and, and then it just, like, what? Where, what are we living in? Except the Lord is saying, just trust me. I have got this. I know how to take a church that thinks that they are rich and that they have it all figured out. And I know how to say, unfortunately, you're poor and blind and naked and wretched. Now, I'm not saying that that's the state of the church now. I'm just saying that that's the example he gives when he's going to contrast. When he says, y'all, we've got to trim this thing down. You're not wrong. You just got too much of the right in the wrong places. Now, I'm going to prove to you the relationships are the number one thing. Go to the next slide. Remember that leaping sheep. When I leave here, if you don't remember anything I said, I want you to remember that's what Pastor Joanne said Jesus wants us to look like. That's you, okay? We're going to get trimmed down. The bloat's going to come out. You know, it's funny about bloat is uh, when that's happening, it's not gracious. You know what I'm saying? Because you're releasing flatulence. It's not a gracious thing that's going on in your life okay one time I was standing with my daughter Ashley who's a lot like Jeremy and uh, we were standing in our 5,000 member church with the assistant pastor and she is an older lady very dignified and refined and she's she's in her late 70s and I'm standing there with her and she's probably about four and she's talking and she leans down and she says hi little girl 
and she looks at her and she looks at me and Ashley does and she says, do I need to talk to her? <laughs> so I do like every good mom from white suburbia and I'm breaking her wrist, squeezing it so tight. Like there is now communication going on, people. All right? See this pain I'm causing you right now? Give me a hand, honey. All right? Right here. I'm like, I'm fixing to break your wrist. This is the assistant pastor of this church. You, what, you have lost your dang mind. And I'm dead. You know what she does? Because she ain't fake. Because Jeremy's not fake either. And she goes, ow, you're hurting me. <laughs> I mean, people, I feel, I feel life and death passing for my eyes. I feel rush come over me. I'm like, gee, this is, you know, the big one. It's a big one. I'm coming home. And I'm thinking to myself, whew, when I get this girl home, we're going to have a come to Jesus moment. I'm fixing to tear her up. And just then, as I'm trying to not faint, the senior leader releases quite a bit of flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I swear, the Lord knows if I'm lying, I'm frying people. This is gospel truth. It's the longest duration, the longest duration of a release I've ever heard and loud. <laughs> so we're just standing there, and I find that my social training has failed me at this moment. <laughs> Because I don't believe I'm adequately prepared to know the proper way to respond to such a experience. So you know how the brain works. Do you pretend you don't hear it? Is that polite? Do you say, are you ill? I mean, like, you know, like, literally nothing. Nothing seemed good. Like, I'm throwing out possibilities. And... And I look down, and my daughter is going. Because <laughs> she is not at all worried about how she looks. And she's going. Mm. I was standing there, and I'm like, well, I'm probably done in ministry here. You know, because I really don't see any comeback from this. Like, you know, this is the assistant pastor. Ashley's offended her. And now this. And she's probably not going to want me around because I heard the thing. And she just politely says, I have, I have an obstruction. And the doctor placed something to relieve it. Sorry you had to experience that. And she just goes on her way. And I'm like, oh, okay. So the social, polite way is for the other person to act like this is not embarrassing or humiliating. It's completely normal for you to stand next to someone who, for a duration of time, not a blip, okay, not a blip on the radar that catches you off guard. I'm talking, whoa, big sound. I just want to say, if, you, if that's what the Lord has you doing, you know, just, just say, I'm sorry you had to see that. That's what Matthew said today in less than words. 
less descriptive words. Um, you know, it's what he's saying. Hey, you know, I, I didn't get it right. The Lord is, is addressing these things in me because he's teaching me. And I actually have a word for Matthew today about what God is doing. Um, but, the, but the thing is, is that, just remind me, you know, this is the thing, is that, um, you know, sometimes we're going to be embarrassed by this stuff, you know. But that's okay because you're going to be that leaping sheep. You're going to be that streamline, but you might have to pass some of that gas in front of people. And you got to get over yourself. Because, because when relationships become a priority, sometimes things happen that are embarrassing. And we got to get over ourselves. All right, let's go on to the next verse. I'm going to prove to you why this is important, and then I'm going to finish up. We're going to skip a bunch of slides. I'll tell you, Mariah, which one to go to. All right, I'm giving you a new commandment, John 13. Jesus is getting ready. to. He's just finished washing the disciples' feet. He has done the Passover meal that is getting ready, and he's going to do this real quick teaching, and he's going to say the most important things he has to say before he goes to Calvary, which is, John 13, John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17, he's in the garden, and then it's over. And so this is you on your deathbed with your children and your spouse and your loved ones saying the most important things that you are going to say. And he says this, I'm giving you a new commandment. This is different than Old Testament thinking, people. He didn't say, let me remind you of this old way of thinking. He says, I am about to shift things. I'm going to change the script from the 618 laws you've been trying to follow and the way you've been trying to walk, and I'm going to give you something new. And he says this, that you love one another just as I've loved you. That you also love one another. Because by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. Amen. What's the test for the harvest to figure out we are the disciples? How much revelation you have? How many satellite churches you have on the TV, on the Zoom? How many band members you have? How many hit records you have? How many revelatory experiences you have? How many books you have? And none of those things are wrong. But they are not the priority. The number one priority is relationships. They are more important than what you think you know or you've been shown. Go to the next slide. This is my command, John 15. He continues on. He says it again. He says a whole bunch of other stuff. He says, and let me reiterate in case you missed it the first time. This is it. I command, I command that you love one another. Let's keep going. John, 1 John 3.23, he brings it up later because John the Revelator wrote this. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Now let's keep going. Slide 11. 
Why is this important? Why is this priority that I'm talking about, a shifting of priorities that's in this shearing, that's in the bloating that's being pounded out of us, is because of this. But realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving. I mean, look at this list of things. You've, going in, it even talks about the internet. For among them, weighed down in sins, it talks about those who slip into households and captivate weak people. I mean, how much crap and content is there on the internet now that has people going all over the place in their belief system? And when you say to them, did God show you that? No. It slipped into their house on the internet, and next thing you know, they're believing crazy stuff. And then they make the crazy stuff the priority, and even if it's real stuff, the priority still have to be the priority which is the relationships. Now, why is this so important? This is the thing. In the last days, difficult times will come for people will be lovers of self. That word, lovers of self, is the Greek word that means all in your feelings. Like Drake would say, Kiki, do you love me? Are we driving, right? He's all in his feelings, right? That's not the kind of, that he's talking about on the, all the other verses I just said that. Every one of those Greek words is agape, 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 agape each other, agape each other. This is a new thing. This is going to be something that's going to be a shift for you because you've had so much focus on personal righteousness and personal holiness and the rules then now I'm going to tell you something, agape love. I'm sure you guys have been taught on the difference of these words. That this is the unconditional love that a father has for his child. This is the kind of love you can only learn from God. You can't learn this from your mother and father. You can only learn it in your relationship with God. And he said, this is what we're going to need because all the world's going to have is philios. They're going to be in their feelings. Go to the next slide, please. This scripture used to always confuse me. And because lawlessness, this is also about Matthew 24, which you know it says in the last days, this is last day's preparation, will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I, was, I would always be confused about that. Why would lawlessness cause people's love to grow cold. People are breaking the law. People are living any way they want. They're corrupt. Is it that they're just corrupt? But how could that affect love? Why? How is that possible? But see, you're living in a generation. Let's go to the next slide. Let's see. Because this is where we are. We're, we're heavy with doctrine and teaching and all the things that he's added to us. And the church, the, the harvest is waiting for the people that shed all of this and remember that learning to agape, learning that relationships. You know, I heard the, the talk tonight. Elise gave, she's so cute. She gave her little thing about home groups and two people clapped and one person smiled. Oh, home groups. You know what that means, sit around and look at each other. 
And hopefully there's a good dessert at the end. Right? That that's how because you know why? We don't wanna we don't wanna we don't wanna be transformed through relationships. We don't want that experience that Proverbs says that iron sharpens iron and a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. But you know what we want? You want to hear a sermon that says Jacob is now called Israel. Oh, go from supplanter, go from usurper, and then, and then become triumphant in God, right? That's what we want to hear. We want to hear that sermon. How do I get from here to there? This person, guess what? It's walking with God and walking with people and learning to agape them. Because you know how Jacob made that experience? He had to go home and cross the river and face his brother and his unhealed family traumas and his neglect that he experienced. And he had to wrestle with God. And then God changed his name. The very thing you want for yourself, the very place you want to be, which is fulfilled and mature and whole, is that you got to face. You've got to have relationship. I'd rather not, but I've learned to. Now I know the value. Now I know the value of learning to agape because we have a world that doesn't know where it is anymore. They don't even know what love means anymore. Let's go to that next slide, Mariah. We got to lose the weight. <laughs> See, this is us. This is what we're experiencing right now. This is what Phileos does. We're the... My, you know, my husband, all this military, I mean, we're not joking when we say he was, you know, hardcore. you got to be to do those things. All his life, pain is just weakness leaving the body. You, we got children with broken bones. They're at home for a week before we carry them to the doctor because you'll be fine. Walk it off, you know. Just walk that off. You'll be fine. We'll wrap it up. Put some Vicks on it. That, you know, that's the Puerto Rican solution to everything. Put some Vicks on. Put some Vicks on. You'll be fine. Um, and, and he... And he's always been this way, you know, really like had a high standard with low compassion. We went to our daughter's volleyball, our granddaughter's volleyball game last week. She's only 10 years old and she got bumped up to uh, the JV uh, team and she's only in fifth grade because they're going to train her because she was playing junior JV, but she's got promise. But you know how when you get bumped up like that, you're not doing anything. You're just going to sit on the bench and watch the older girls play and do what you're going to do. That's how you do. We have two children that played college athletics. You know, you want to get off the bench, you earn your spot. Don't you complain. You're not going to complain about it. You want to play time? Then play well. That's how you play. This is not, this is, they say, well, this is all for fun. Winning is fun, people. Okay? All right? Now, if you're playing, if you're playing, you know, you know, rec league sports, sure, that's for te teamwork and all those other things. But when you're playing at the competitive level, no, no, no. <laughs> you want to play, you better earn your spot. And when our daughter played basketball in college and she was sitting on the bench, she's like, you know, I don't think he likes me because, and I said, I don't, I don't really care because your gift will make a way for you. You better play harder. You better practice more. You better do whatever you need to do. Get off the bench. This is the way our family thinks about competition. So we go to with the Grand Youngins, basketball, um, volleyball, and she doesn't get put in. Of course not. She's 10 years old. She's learning. She's being trained up. Well, you know, in this atmosphere, Philios, right here, we're walking out. He says, I believe I'm going to go speak to the coach. 
we came all the way out here, and she was out here sitting up there thinking she was going, and she didn't even get in for 30 seconds. I said, Karen, go get in the car. <laughs> if your name is Karen, I apologize. Just meeting as social me. Go get in the car, Karen. Who are what? Yeah, I said, you ain't, you ain't talking to nobody. You lost your mind? My daughter's an attorney. She's in court, so that's why she asked us to be there. She can't be there. I said, your daddy was ready to go talk to the coach. She said, oh, my God, Mom, stop him. I said, I know it. <laughs> I'm like, who, what, this husky? I don't know this husky. This Siberian husky, he's going to go talk to someone because she didn't get to play in the game. Karen's offended, and she's got to go and overreact to the situation. And my, and my daughter is texting me from court, Mom, don't let Dad do that. I said, oh, I'm, I'm telling him, get in the car. You, no, sir. No, sir. He said, oh, I'm just going well, to say something to the teacher. I said, no, I'm going to have to ask you to get in the car. You have to step away from the Philios right now. <laughs> because that's where, see, the only way that we're going to overcome the insanity that is our news, the insanity that is going on, the cancel culture and all this, is by walking in agape. And the world doesn't have it. They don't see it. That's why he said, in the last days... Everybody's going to be in their feelings. Everybody's going to be crazy. Everybody's going to sacrifice relationships. But we can't. We can't be that because they're depending on us to show them what this looks like. I'm going to say one more thing, and then we'll get to the end of this. This is another thing. Okay. So, and because lawlessness, we said this already. I'm going to say it again. Go to the next slide. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he gave me this picture, and I'm going to bring it to you right now. It says this. Go to the next one, Mariah. The mercy seat is the lid on the Ark of the Covenant. It sits on top of the law. You cannot separate God's love from his holiness. So when people tell you love is love, no, it is not. Love is not love. Love in any form. We know what love is, Corinthians 13. We know we have the description. But let me tell you something. When people say to you, you have to agape me unconditionally, you're exactly right, but not lawlessly. See, people are all about their freedom right now, their rights. Do I have the right to make this decision, that decision, the other decision? Yes, you do. But you do not have the right to be free from the consequences that come from those choices. You have the right to make them, but you are not free to avoid the consequences. Will I love you unconditionally? I absolutely will. Will I love you lawlessly? Absolutely not. Because the lid on top of the rod of government and the Ten Commandments is the mercy seat. This is where Jesus poured out his blood when he finished everything that he did and he ascended into the temple in heaven and in sanctuary and he poured out his blood on the mercy seat. It was there, but it sits on top of his holiness. Go to the next slide, Mariah, please. You cannot, God's agape cannot be separated from his holiness. So this idea of cheap love, filios love, that they demand that Christians show. I had a daughter that went on a little path of her own for a while. And she called me and she was going to make a decision to do something that I would not have approved of. And she knows that. And she said, well, I think I'm, uh, I'm going to do this. 
what do you think? And I say, you know what, you know me. I've already introduced myself (laughs) a number of occasions to you. We've reintroduced me to you. And, And she said, well, are you for this? I said, well, I think you already know the answer to that. No, I'm not for that, but I'm for you. What does that mean? It means I'm for you. It means that you cannot push me away. Am I for that? No. Am I for you? Absolutely. And see, this kind of freedom, see, this is the thing about rights. Once you figure out, because everybody's all hung up on their rights, well, this is my right. Sure it is. But see, what they do is when they walk in their right, they say, well, this is my right. I'm going to make this choice, and this is what I'm going to do, and it's not a biblical pattern. Then they turn around and they say to you, now you have to say that I'm right. Oh, no, I don't have to say that. You have the right to do something, but I'm not going to say that you are right. See, this is the thing about love. Agape is about laying down your rights. That's how you know you're walking in agape is when you're going to lay down your rights. God so agape the world that he laid down his rights. He gave. We, what was it say? Greater love hath no man than he lay down. Greater agape have no man than he lay down his right, his rights, his love for a brother, his life. See, Christians, we're, the world's depending on us to get this right and not show up a bloated, you know, mangy sheep because they need us. And they need us to get this, this end end time. He already told us what it's going to look like. All right, let's skip to the end. All right, that's all I'm going to say today about this. But there's a whole lot of things going to keep happening this season. But that's the thing I wanted to get to the point. So let's get to this last thing. Uh, Okay. Um, Exodus 23, 10. Yeah, okay, you can read that later. Every, go to the next one. Write that down if you're going to be worried. I'm not telling the truth. Look it up later. Okay. Shemitah, every seven years, Jews were required to rest the land. It was called Shemitah. That's what the the Hebrew word is. September 7th, we entered a sabbatical rest year of Shemitah. You know what happens in that year? You don't grow anything. You stand back and you rest, and anything that grows... It's for the poor and for those who have been in financial hardship to come and glean from your abundance. I had a vision two, three months ago, and the Lord showed me all this chaos and fear. He showed me gas was $7.99 a gallon. And and I'm not sure that it would actually be $7.99 because that's basically a 50% inflation rate. And I think maybe that's what I was seeing, although it could have been literal. And I said, okay, Lord, are you showing me this because we need to be really careful and cancel things, trips, and, you know, the tent stakes, pull them in closer, wash out our baggies, (laughs) you know, reuse the aluminum foil. Is that what you're talking about? And the Lord said, no, 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 this is Shemitah. He said, this is what the world's going to experience, but there's going to be light in Goshen. The plagues come on Egypt. They don't come on the church. We are going to have abundance to share. 
people are going to glean from our field. The problem is we have to endure what Matthew described today, prophetic contradiction. Because debts, all debts were canceled at the end of Shemitah. So people get a clean slate. So during this whole year, wealth is realigned. And, you know, the thing is, you don't even have to know what's happening. But if you're going to go to the beach in Aruba in June, you better take sunscreen, whether you know it's summer or not. Because you're going to be on the equator, and you're going to get a heck of a sunburn. You see, seasons, the Lord's seasons, they happen whether you know they're happening or not. But September 7th, we entered into a sabbatical year, and debts are canceled. It's called a year of release. And people who were enslaved in jobs that were exploiting them change, and they get different jobs. And then people get all of a sudden out of houses that have been a difficulty for them and they get a new house and, and and they change locations and they change jobs and and they have wisdom on financing and they get really good rates on on financing their vehicles and you understand what I'm saying that this when I say redistribution of wealth doesn't mean you win the lottery it means that all of these smart financial decisions are released to us in this year so that we're canceling debts and people who are suffering, the poor, and those who have been in struggle are coming from and gleaning from our abundance. I'm going to tell you right now, if you need mayonnaise or you need rice or you need mustard or barbecue sauce or just about any condiment you can think of, go to Pastor Sam and Pastor Liza's house and stay in the bedroom to the second right of the stairs and open the armoire. Because that's where I stayed this weekend in my weekend hospitality. And they were just showing us, I mean, that Pastor Sam was grilling steaks. We went to the Biltmore. I mean, we were eating charcuterie. I mean, they were just doing us fine. And then I opened up the armoire to put some, you know, pajamas in there. And I said, good gracious. I said, Jamie, you need a sandwich? Because I said, what you want? Some dry rice, beans? I said, and I opened up the drawer, all kind of snacks. I opened the closet, bottles of water, napkins. I said, we could live in this room during a whole nuclear strike, and we would not have to leave for months because we would be okay. See, but it was, as soon as I saw it, I burst out laughing because that's what we've been doing. The Lord told us three months ago to stock up on supplies. People, my kids are like, what are you doing? I, I don't know, okay, I don't know. No, I don't know, I'm just doing this because it's gonna continue to be hard. Now, I don't know how long it's gonna be hard. I didn't feel like it was that long, but it's gonna be hard out there. And the world is depending on us. They're depending on us to get, to cooperate with the grooming that we're in in this season. And, and to realize we've got some weight to shed, some gas to pass, and, and, um, and, and, and to become, to open up and become a resource so that the, the relationships are in place so that the lamb receives this is the year of release receive it where you need to be set free i'm gonna ask um 
Kathy and Frank and Jamie, if you want to come up, I want I want to just want to invite you. If you need a release, I and mean, we we already had to stay if you need something, but I just wanted the elders. We're going to bring it from the other side of the state. Um, if you need a release, it finances. This is really about finances or family relationships. If you need a release, I want to invite you to come up and get prayer. I want, and, and you know what, this is one of these things where maybe you don't even know what you want or need. You know, she shared so beautifully earlier. This is, this is just come and just receive what they want to give you. This is a year that releases the blessing. This is the year that things grow where you didn't even plant. So your resource, and I won't say the details of it, but your resource that funded your vehicle came from a relationship that's fairly new, right? He didn't even sow in the field to receive that kind of a blessing, and yet it grew. But you know what he did that you might not know about? I don't know if you know about this. Can I say about the flood thing? They know you raised money. Yes, the whole church. But you know what he took of it? None. But there were six feet of water in his house. See, that's always the thing. When God's going to give someone a Cyrus anointing, which is the word to you, the Lord has, has, has placed on you the anointing of Cyrus to be a person who stewards the release of finances for the provision of other people, thereby ensuring you don't go without and you have more than you need. I encourage you to look up Cyrus in the Bible and to pay attention. When you have a Cyrus anointing, you are going to steward large sums of money. Large. There are large sums of money that are coming in your future that your stewardship is going to be very important. And these lessons that seemed maybe not so important are hugely important for what God is going to put in you and your wife's, wherever she is, future. You didn't even have this track. And the Lord said, yes, Cyrus, there's my Cyrus right here. Put him over here. I need him over here with the money because you're going to build platforms of success under other people and under ministries. And you're going to have enough to share. You're going to have more than enough. You see, this is what the Lord is doing. When, when you can beat entitlement, see, that's the, that's the thing. When you're going to access the storehouse of heaven, you've got to deal with entitlement first. And you know the Lord loves you so much, he won't let it crush you. He deals with that first. He's just, you know, that was his gas. A little in the tummy. He didn't touch any of that money he raised. And then the Lord said, oh, Cyrus, well done. Hey, you over there, give Cyrus a check for $20,000. He needs a vehicle. That's the first. He's going to blow your mind with the things you're going to see. But have faith during the prophetic contradiction because that's always the way it goes. You're going to have a baby, 16 years, no baby. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, that's the thing. It grows us. It grows us. So I want to invite you. Come up, receive prayer. Pastor Sam and Eliza, receive prayer. I felt like I just saw this this morning. 
just receive it. Receive the blessing that's going to come. Come up, receive blessing. I'm going to pray too. We just want to bless you. We want to to partner in this season of this year of release and sabbatical rest to that you access all the blessings of God in the season of getting sleek in Jesus' name. Thank you. 
children, the children, the children, may his presence go before you, and behind you, and beside you, all around you, he is with you, he is with you, he is with you, in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're weeping, and rejoicing, he is for you, 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 he is for you. Yeah. 